Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and Alan Watt SentientSentinel.eu It is the 26th of July 2007. It's interesting to see the email that I get in once you've sorted out all the junk stuff that just flows in it's amazing how they can't stop that, isn't it? It's truly amazing that they can't stop it, isn't it? But some of the mail I get in is interesting because people out there are noticing all of the independent, or at least seemingly independent, pieces of information coming out, which all like arrows pointing towards a central point in a circle are showing them the way of the future, the very near future. Seemingly independent organizations, corporations, and various government statements all point to the same nucleus, the nucleus that we're all supposed to fit into because bigger powers have planned it that way long ago for world peace you understand mind you it's interesting to see that the elite of the world the dominant minority have a different definition of peace than the one that the general population would have here's one of these little independent pieces of information from IBM or the IBM and it's from Lily, who sends me some stuff now and then, which keeps her eyes open. And this is a, a, a spin, a propaganda spin to IBM customers. And it said, I am happy to tell you about our plans to launch a new suite of capabilities that will begin to provide IBMers it's just like this car thing, you know, they've got to get you in. You're named after your car or your motorbike or whatever else you drive. Your IBMers with valuable tools to enhance their expertise and careers in a global context. IBM already invests about $600 million a year on employee learning and training. We are now enhancing that investment and at the same time introducing what we believe to be first-of-a-kind programs. Everyone has to be first-of-a-kind, you see. They're all leading. We're calling this new initiative the IBM Global Citizens Portfolio. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Global Citizens Portfolio. I wonder what part of democracy IBM comes under and voting and all that stuff. Well, anyway, back to it. I encourage you to read about it on W3 and use the feedback box at the bottom of the article to tell me your thoughts. I thought IBM would know your thoughts by now, eh? This program is all about IBM's competitiveness and yours in a very new world. <laughs> Isn't it, though? I am convinced that the individual's success going forward depends, above all, upon expertise. But expertise today isn't acquired or applied in the ways it used to be. Oh, no, no, no. It's not static. Just as any company, community, or country has to adapt continuously, what they mean is adapt or die, you see, learning new fields and new skills in order to be competitive. You should really put living in new fields. But so too does the individual. The challenge is that it's difficult to do this within the hierarchical command and control corporate model of the past. People today need the freedom to change their own learning, their own careers, their own expertise. Yeah, we've all had the choice in the way it's going up till now, haven't we? We've had all that choice individually, haven't we? I believe that helping IBMers in this way will enable us to continue attracting and retaining the world's smartest and most creative workforce. Did you know that all people who have IBMs are creative people? Like they helped design it, you know, the, the purchaser. 
The Global Citizens Portfolio will consist of three programs which will launch around year, mid-year 2008. They are Matching Accounts for Learning. I guess that's mal, meaning not good, like bad. The eligible IBMer commits to skills development by investing in this portable account, a portable account, and IBM will match the individual's contributions up to a set limit. The funds will be available to pay for training, classes, and education of the employee's choice. Out of this fixed list, I added that part. We're going to pilot this first in the U.S., and based on what we learn about how employees use the program, we'll consider appropriate versions of the idea in other parts of the world. In other words, they're going to match it, supposedly. This is the mousetrap part. They're all taught in marketing. You get a mousetrap, like a credit card, and free, you know, or no interest for so many days. And So this one's going to match it dollar for dollar. They don't actually say dollar for dollar. They say match, and they could have their own legal terminology for how they interpret matching. But as long as you get in thinking you're getting something for free, uh, then you'll fall for it. That's how the mice traps or mouse traps work. And it's all been decided for you. You who are all participating in this, it's all been decided for you. That's how I love this speak. The IBM Corporate Service Corps, this will create a global training ground in emerging markets of the developing world. At IBM, we know how to develop leaders for a multinational, but how do we develop people who can truly lead global teams and operations? We'll offer short-term assignments that engage IBMers with communities, governments, and non-governmental organizations and expose them to local culture and society. Hmm. Transition services. I love transition Changes, changes. A couple of years ago, we developed Transition to Teaching, TOT for short, maybe short people, little TOTs, a program that assists IBMers in moving to a second career in teaching. We also have similar programs to help people, certainly help people, you see. That's what corporations are there for, did you know? Move to the jobs with our business partners as part of the Global Citizens Portfolio We'll be extending this idea to help people move to public service and non-governmental service. As we introduce these programs, it will be important for IBMers to tell us what works and what doesn't work. We'll learn and adjust and look at the programs appropriate for other markets around the world. Expect to hear more details about the Global Citizens Portfolio later this fall. And that's a repetitive part, you see. You're supposed to repeat that all through something that you're right in advertising to sink in like weapons of mass destruction, weapons of mass destruction, repetition. It takes eight times for the average person to remember the slogans, and that's why they keep repeating them. As our most recent quarterly results indicate, IBM's strategy is being well received today by our clients our investors and beyond. For some organizations, that might prompt them to relax and take a victory lap. But that's not IBM. Now is the time for a leader to go on the offense, to push the boundaries of old models and show the world what we mean by innovation that matters. That's a popular one, innovation that matters. They're all using that. And most importantly, now is exactly the right time to enhance, enhance, these are the lovely fuzzy words they have. Every IBMer's capability is going to enhance your capability as a global professional and a global citizen. Ah, Sam Palmisano. Hmm. Sort of kind of a saintly apple. But there you go. That's what it's all about. And even starts a new set of tools for the globally integrated individual who you. And it says later today, IBM's chairman pa- Sam Palmisano will announce a new package of capabilities integrated with existing IBM programs that will provide IBMers with viable tools to enhance their expertise and careers with a globally integrating economy. It's called the Global Citizens Portfolio. Take a a moment to share your thoughts on this announcement.
Sam's announcing the portfolio at the Forum on Global Leadership, where we're engaging some 400 selected leaders. See how democratic they are, it's already planned. From across business, government, academia, and societal organizations in a conversation on how to enhance American, ha ha ha, sick this word, enhance competitiveness through a response to two overarching realities, innovation and global integration. While this event will take place in the United States, it sets the stage for similarly themed events in mature and developing countries around the world. The Global Citizens Portfolio <sighs> addresses a rapidly integrating world that favors countries, companies, and individuals who understand that economics, expertise, and open business environment makes work flow. Yes, it all does to the top. For individuals, the most important factor is expertise. But the nature of expertise has changed drastically and continues to change in tandem. That's an old-fashioned word, in tandem. With the ever-quickening pace of technological advances, people no longer acquire or cultivate expertise in the way they once did. To be competitive, any individual, company, community, or country, for that matter, has to adapt continuously, mastering new fields and new skills. Companies, communities, and countries need to re recognize this change, as do the individuals that comprise them. The global citizen's portfolio lays the groundwork for a new set of tools enabling individuals to take control of their economic future. <sighs> the individual set of programs in IBM's global citizen portfolio include then they go to the matching accounts for learning, 50% contributions by employees with at least five years of service. The employee contribution up to $1,000 per year will reside in interest-bearing account to be used for their own external learning expenses. This program will be piloted in the United States and expanded globally based on local skills, training needs, and government support for education. So governments involved, oh, what a surprise. The Corporate Service Corps, or the Corporate Service Corps, it's very warlike, that, isn't it? We used to have um, Peace Corps and and uh, disaster corps and stuff and for the Cold War. You never saw them because they didn't do anything. They didn't have Homeland Security during the Cold War or anything like that. The Corporate Service Corps, you're supposed to go under tables. That, that was your shelter if the bombs went off, which they kept telling us was going to happen any day, day after day. The bombs will go off, go under your kitchen table, and, and you might be saved from the glass. Here you are getting blasted with... Got on so many rads of radiation, but, but don't worry, it's a, it's a glass that, you know, would kill you. Uh, this program will provide leadership development experiences for IBMers, exposing participants to the 21st century context for business, diverse cultures, policy environments, and societal expectations. Uh, you see, they have their own bureaucraties, lingo, language. Uh, for these marketing characters, these creeps, uh, they really are psychopaths. I mean, there's no doubt about that. People who are marketing will admit that to, to you, in fact, because their whole idea is to con and fool and lie to get you to do something for a corporation. That's what marketing is all about. So IBM will team with non-governmental organizations, that's the new democracies, the new Soviet, to place small groups of employees from different countries and business units together outside of the office structure. They will build relationships, I'm sure they will, and work on some of the world's toughest problems, such as enhancing global economic opportunity and access to education resources. The Corporate Service Corps will be global from the outside. There you are, sorry, you done deal. Approximately 600 IBM participants over the first three years will be drawn from all over the world. Give it snob appeal, IBMers. Project destinations will be in emerging and developing countries. Enhanced transition services. This will create bridges. Oh, I love bridges. Eh? That's anything. It's getting a bit boring, this bridge building stuff. Yeah. Bridges to Babylon. Even the stones did that. I mean, the bridges. But Masons love building society. This will create bridges for IBM employees to opportunities in governments, non-profits, educational institutions, and economic development organizations, which is part of the United Nations, you see. It's all tied together. 
Building on the success of IBM's Transition to Teaching initiative, this new program will create public-private and civil-private partnerships. Oh, we've heard all that before, haven't we? Public-private. The public pay for all. The private sector reaps the profits. Yes. It will identify which skills are needed in high-demand areas and then help IBM employees develop second careers in these fields to contribute to their communities. Communitarianism is the way to go, you see, said George Bush Sr. He didn't want to call it communism. Communitarianism. It sounds better than collectivism. These are the first in a growing set of capabilities that will evolve because I love evolution, over the years and adapt, as part of evolution is adaptation, to the various regulatory, cultural and economic conditions in the markets where IBM does business around the world. While IBM and IBMers are renowned for charitable efforts, (laughs) oh shame, shame, the global citizen's portfolio does not constitute a philanthropic program. IBM fully expects the global citizens portfolio to make us a more competitive and successful business. In fact, we see this as potentially a very powerful, virtuous circle. A virtuous circle. They love virtue in masonry, as well as bridges. Where the benefits to and from empowered, empowered, here we go, empowerment, individuals stimulate more agile and innovative organizations, which in turn create healthier and more vibrant communities. They don't have wellness in there yet, that that term wellness. How's your wellness today? Oh, my wellness is fine, thank you. How's yours? IBM's values remind us that trust uh and personal responsibility in all relationships is a core attribute of the IBMer. Otherwise, you'd be a bad apple with a bad core. The Global Citizens Portfolio offers us all another chance to make these words reality. That's from IBM Plan Ties Training and Accounts by Steve Lore. I guess it's folklore, perhaps. New York Times, July 25th, 2007. And there you go. It's all about the the new global society with the new nomads, you see. The new nomads are to be drawn from the creme de la creme of all countries, and they will be serving the world state with a higher pay and benefits and a lot of fringe benefits. And they'll also get off with certain infractions of legal things depending upon their sexual preferences and age groups because that's always been the way but technically they'll have no real homes they'll go from one to the next as they go across the world to the global cities the international cities but they'll live much better than the peasantry that's left back home who are stuck where they are in this wonderful global society because no country will take you in if they don't have a purpose for you to fill there is hardly a day goes by that we don't get hit with half a dozen articles on upgrading our memory you find the universities that have the grants for this upgrading investigation are all getting grants as well from Homeland Security. Yeah, could they be related, I wonder, as they try to find ways to put nanotechnology into your brain box? The hippocampus, they say, needs upgraded and we shall get upgraded like computers to adapt and survive a predetermined goal. Well, I'd hardly say that altering ourselves into cyborgs was an intention of mine or my parents or anybody before me, but it certainly is someone's intention 
because we've been hit with this predictive programming, mainly through science fiction, which all get their marching orders from the Futurist Society, funded by the big foundations, to get us to think of the possibilities and the wonder of having all this fantastic wired technology all through our bodies. That's why all the superheroes are part cyborg now. They all have little brain chips. In fact, ultimately, all you would need for a head is a pin. You wouldn't need this big head to carry that brain around. They could do it all from a little chip the size of a pin. And then, of course, you could actually alter every single part of you to to suit a particular purpose. If they wanted uh, some kind of bureaucrat that could be mobile, they can give them a pinhead. It's not much different from today. They are have they do have a lot of space up there that they're not using. So yeah, pinhead on legs and hands that can go and adapt to keyboards things like that or a fishman that could have a pinhead and have frog's legs to repair the the oil rigs you can be a deep sea diver very efficient plus you could make it so that they'd no longer need uh, a part to entertain themselves uh, an imaginative part you don't want imagination in that kind of perfect worker you want just a perfect worker who can go into a box at night like seven of nine and in fact you could put him in the same box as seven of nine and he wouldn't have a single thought as to what to do yeah boy that's hell isn't it you see that's the world that they're planning for everyone but as always they must have us all going along chomping the grass walking forward very slowly never noticing that we're ending up in a different field entirely. That's how the process goes, step by step by step. It's difficult to move the big herd suddenly and quickly from here over to there, but it's very easy, especially when you have patience all the time in the world, to plan things intergenerationally, to get them to go from here to there, until they end up being modified on the way, and they're eating tree bark instead of grass without noticing that's called efficiency efficiency and good planning and someone would get rewarded for that with medals and knighthoods and stuff that's how the real world works the the sheep must be the last to know and preferably not to know at all in times gone by we used to talk about being had when we'd fallen for the con, it did what was expected by using the logic that we have and working our way through a con. A con works because the victim must be presented with a certain amount of, of information and the con man knows that by the logic of that victim they will arrive at a certain conclusion and make a decision which will be the right decision if everything were real on only up and up but will actually be the wrong decision for the victim. And they don't realize that until the end of the con and they find they've lost everything. That's how the con works. It depend, the, the, the con man depends upon knowing the psychology and logic process of the victim. And that's, that's how the whole world works. Same way. Our reality is marketed to us indoctrinated into us mainly by repetition and by people we're trained to believe because we've been taught to to divert something that seemed to be a tribal thing which was to respect the shaman or the priest and have simply diverted it to the new one with the white coat on the scientist or the expert and everyone buckles under to the experts and, and believes what they say never dawns on them that there's an agenda underfoot and you're on a slippery slope. It never dawns on you. It's so slick and easy until you don't think for yourself anymore. There's experts out there to do all your thinking for you. That's what you've been trained to believe.
Mr. Russell, Bertrand Russell and others, spoke about this and how they would train the public until the public would be useless without experts. They wouldn't think for themselves. And we do find that today. It's also reinforced by governments and licensing laws because now people who used to make shift in their home and plumbing in different areas can't do it anymore. They truly are trained to believe that must have experts to guide them and do it and certify it and bring up to code standard and all this stuff that comes from the United Nations is to take independence away and discovery because the best way to, to learn something is to do it. Especially if you thought it was your own property you were doing it with. But then if you've been taught today that it's not really your own property, you just rent it. Because governments have the right to come in and be intrusive. And that's to train you that you don't really have property or rights. At one time, you could kick anybody out of your home or off your land. From government or from wherever. But not now. They'll bring a SWAT team if you kick them off. And come in anyway. In, in Britain, you see, it's all copied from Britain, this whole idea. All previous knowledge and technique is never, ever thrown in the waste paper basket when they upgrade their system. They store all that knowledge of how societies and generations were controlled. And in Britain, up until Thatcher's time, you know, the one, uh, the Tyler, you might say, because that's just another name for, for Tyler's a Thatcher, she... Um, privatized for sale all the council housing that was supposed to be built by the people and for the ta- for the people by the taxpayers' money. Even though you rented it, the rents at one time were, weren't bad, you, you'd, you'd get by for these little boxed houses that were all joined together. She privatized them to sell them off. But the public in Britain had already been trained that inspectors from the council, your own council that you paid, would go around your houses and inspect things for hygiene and all this kind of stuff. Just to train that you were inferior. And people used to jump when these inspectors came round with their noses in the air and, and they strutted around like royalty had done in previous times gone by. To degrade the renters into feeling inferior. And now the same technique is used for property owners as fire departments demand access to and see if your fire detectors are working and all this kind of stuff. And they all want, so want powers to fine you. All these freaks, you see, these power freaks want, want powers to fine you and punish you because they're really sadists, you see. And then they get off on this, this kind of thing. The public are being trained that that which they thought was private property really isn't. And gradually you're being trained it can be taken from you because of infringements on land abuse or pollution or a thousand and billion other watershed things and all that kind of nonsense. It's all training. That's the real purpose of it all because the world they're bringing in to view is one where you'll have habitats. Yes, you'll rent heavily. You'll pay high rents, but you'll have no private property and your lives will be dictated to by committees and inspectors of all kinds right down to your own personal mental health inspector who will come down like a therapist and it's really school guidance from birth to grave ongoing and how are we today sir anything on your mind any angry dreams lately and so on you see the managed society only a stepping stone to the next part and the next part and the next part, which might take two or three generations. By two or three generations, it's only about 15 years now because they don't mean a lifetime as they used to. They're talking about the indoctrination process and how they can speed up the changes. They can really do it year by year now for every every person born in one year and then next year and the next year. They're all trained a little differently into the agenda That's called scientific indoctrination, according to Bertrand Russell and Beria of the old NKVD and Comintern. Nothing new under the sun, as they say.
Today we have conflicts, clashes of interpersonal relations, clashes of relations with civil societies, meaning services, clashes with authoritarian societies. Everything happens to be clashes, clashes of the genders, parents, children, and so on, because of the forced planned adaptation process brought upon society in a fairly short period of time with regards to the history and the the age of this world. It is true that in past times societies have had to adapt quickly to to tremendous changes in environments. The whole history, for instance, of Africa or the Middle East is one comprised of adaption or die. But these processes took such a long period of time as things alter that there was no great sudden change which affected society so greatly as today. Today, we lived in a planned society. It's the planning of our society which causes the great conflicts because it's run according to man. The man tossed out all of his deities at the top a long time ago and replaced them with his own intellect and science. I might add cunning because those at the top are generally psychopathic of all cultures, the ones who get to the very top. From this comes advanced planning and management. The world is a managed world, a managed society. According to timetables, as all business is formulated to they stick to their timetables, including the alteration of other countries, which are radically different from the conglomerate bunch already in the big western side. Therefore, they expect conflict, they expect resistance, they expect a bit of chaos. As Mr. Rockefeller said, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. What he meant was the, the dysfunctional system and the chaos that would ensue between peoples and families as they went through drastic changes from one system to the next. That's how human deities do things. This is the old deities were pretty quiet. Once in a while you'd have someone who would claim that the deity had spoken to them and to a long, long time sometimes centuries to get past the word around and have it discussed and thought about and occasionally acted upon in people's personal lives or their societal lives. But today it's, it's almost instant. It's, it's planned and the dates of introduction of every part of the system are planned ahead and, and made and they stick to the dates, including wars. Wars that they, they have to have come up and get get them over with. They, they plan this like a long-range business plan. They also plan all the propaganda to be used and perhaps even the incidents that will start those wars. All, as they say, to achieve a, a greater end and the noble lie, as they call it at the top, um, is worth it. The noble lie being it's, it's for a good cause. You, you simple people just wouldn't understand it. You're just children. We intellectual ones understand it, and therefore we have to lie to you as, as parents might lie to children about granny dying. This becomes the natural thing for them to do once it's been done once or twice. It's the formula. And they become very arrogant 
and give out very simplistic lies because you can tell even their propaganda pieces and their repetitive pieces are so childlike. They're written for children because that's truly how they start to see the public. They're trained that way. They don't even give you intellectual lies. It's all simplistic lies. The same format as the propagandists of the old Soviet Union wrote their propaganda. If you ever read the old stuff, that was written for Gorbachev when he was the head of the, of the Soviet Union. It's written as a, as a parent talking down to a very young child. That's how it's presented to us in the West, because they're using that same Soviet technique. And they really do think that the average person is dull and stupid. More so as they climb the ladder and get into more of the secrets of how society is really run, they become to despair. They come to despise the Joe public, the profane, as they call them, those in the darkness, those who don't know. We're supposed to be trained like children and treated like children. And we are. Part of the problem, too, is that we've given up the rights of learning and becoming wise and wiser as we get older and older. We're trained that you're you're written off over a certain age. It's getting younger all the time. There are many people who've lost their jobs when they hit 40 or even younger because the big corporations want younger, cheaper guys coming in. That became part of the norm back in the 70s. They were talking and writing about it then. We are all disposable for the system's agenda and for its sake. When we forget our instinctual nature, we end up in a conflict between the conscious and the unconscious. Also, referred to as spirit in nature. Spirit is the the force, the life force, you might say, in humanity uh, that makes him reflect on himself. The ways of the world are nature and can also have survival instincts coming to the fore, therefore if a conflict between the ability to look at yourself or simply go on automatic pilot with survival instincts, you can see where the conflict would arise between the two. Because survival instincts can become deviant in themselves if they go on too long and they overcome nature and then destroy nature and everything and everyone in it. That's part of the psychopathic personality who runs on ego, pure ego. In other words, you cannot tell them any different. They can't handle guilt either. They won't tolerate guilt. They have have no guilt. They throw it off like water off a duck. When you have the split between the two, you get a pathological problem. And consciousness can no longer suppress instinctual sides. You'll find people then begin to congregate into groups and mass movements. This came to the fore during the industrial era, at the end really of the industrial era, where everything was mass production. You had the mass man mass groups, mass organizations. And this takes over from the individual and will tend to crush it. It's funny how we always have an opposite. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction or the natural Hegelian technique of the dialectic built in to every problem. Mass movements always come up and say they speak for you. 
and they'll say all the right things, especially initially. They're going to be the champion of the suppressed. The prevailing tendency of consciousness is to seek the source of all the problems and all your ills and the, the world outside you, and the, you'll go and cry for political and social change, which you think will save them and solve the deeper problem of this split in the in the psyche itself. If a group actually fulfills its goal and the demand is met, the political and the social conditions arise to bring the same ills back again in an altered form because one group that becomes successful then becomes the dominant one and persecutes those who are left behind. It's just changing places, you might say, in the society. And that's man becoming God, you see. The good ends up being corrupt. It's always been known for thousands and thousands of years that those who start off with the best intentions become the tyrants in the end until they're overthrown or killed off or they kill each other off for power and power and power and more power. Then another group takes over and starts off with all the right intentions again. But then a few generations of them later, they're spoiled and arrogant and dominant and irrational. This is also part of our problem. But today we have the tops of all groups united in a single vision of a future all working towards global domination of a global society where they've decided that all conflicts must cease by force. They're going to force you to cease conflicts. Not by convincing you through massive propaganda as they've tried in the past, but by making you, by altering you so you cannot have the conflict. That's what it's all about today. And that was agreed upon at the top a long, long time ago. You will not get back what you thought was a, an era in your history where you think in an infantile form that it was somehow better. That will not come back because all the conditions are wrong and altered and changed. Neither can we afford to go forward on the agenda as it's written, because it means the annihilation of individual personality and thought in the end, the extinction of sentient thought, thought with an individual who can make choices on his or her own whether for good or ill you won't even have that choice anymore it's not a matter of one singular element in society causing this problem the elite in all societies, if you study your history, have no problem joining a victor to survive and keep their existing financial and material status. That's the history of the ages. The higher bureaucracies merge very well together when countries are conquered. That's also the histories of the world. The big problem they have and have had for a while is how to get all of the different different sheep, all the herds together into this one big conglomerate of servitude and alteration. Willingly, that's quite the task, is to bring billions of people together under a common system, step by step, 
having them acquiesce to it unwittingly as long as they do agree to it. That's all that matters. Then the chaos that is ensues, which is all f- thought out beforehand by big think tanks, that's their job. They're well paid to think out all the problems which will arise and all the solutions to those problems. They're then instituted and it's only bizarre to those who are going through it and don't understand. They're written off, technically. Every generation at the moment has been written off. As far as your personal happiness goes, it's irrelevant. It's, you're, you're part of this omelette that's mushed together in this pan. You're going through changes where everything that once was is destroyed, where families are destroyed, where personal relationships are destroyed, where where science has given you sexual outlets as you'd never ever have dreamed about them in the past until casual sex is just like going around from pubs trying different beer. It's so readily available, but there's no lasting relationship. And there cannot be any lasting relationship because of fundamental laws of nature. Once broken, you can't piece them together. No matter how many psychologists or Dr. Phil's come out with their teams of producers to tell you otherwise. Everyone is craving some kind of relationship. But what is special about a partner who's had a thousand partners before you, of either gender, male or female, how can one person say, you're the one? It's nonsensical. And that's what they're craving. They're craving a time gone by which has been taken from them by the same elite with their agenda who had to destroy the family unit and the two-parent family, the husband, the wife, because they had to separate everyone in order to control everyone, divide and conquer. Therefore, those who've been brought up enjoying all this don't even realize the consequences. All they know is that they're terribly unhappy and they're seeking all the more for new and better experiences which are only poor, third-rate, fourth-rate, fifth-rate substitutes for something they now can never have. Because fundamental laws of nature have been broken. People have a a yearning for mythical pasts. Pasts that are really mythologized in movies and fantasies and yet this part of them tells them that there was something in that past with all of its problems that was better perhaps than it is now even the people who love their independence today what they think is independence I can shop, I can do this, I can do that I can do I, 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 I It's all I, I, me, me, me. Still have a a big gaping hole in their psyche that can't be filled by all the things they buy or watch as a passive recipient of downloading from computer or television. And that that is contact with people of similar minds where people really aren't after anything all the time. People today are very charming, but they're predators. Everywhere you go, you're seeing the manifestations of the predatory society, which is corrupt. From the have a nice day, did we find all we were looking for, sir? And all these little catchphrases that they parrot to you, dreamed up by marketing institutions they simply want you to spend all that you have they don't care if you spend your last penny 
or get into debt as long as you buy from them. That's their job, that's their function, it's the only function they have under have a nice day. And can I help you, sir? That's real world, yet people still look for a time of community, real community that had a lot of autonomy. They didn't have all the bureaucratic and governmental intrusions into their lives. That's really what they're looking for. But they're also looking for relationships that are meaningful. And today, a side effect of total promiscuity is ultimately the meaningless of it all. Because what's special about a person that could have your child when any face has been before her could also have been the father of the child. And what's special about the guy as well? What's special about him when he's gone from one to the other, the next to the next to the next to the next? What's special in his eyes about the woman he picks when he would have picked anyone of a thousand. Uh, that's part of it, because all of that becomes your past, and your partner will never ever feel secure in comparison, and that's all it is, is a relationship of comparisons from then on. Bad news, eh? But true. And therefore all of this, which I've just discussed, has been talked about in big think tanks long ago, before they gave you contraception, effective contraception, before even the industrial era was over in the West. It was all planned, and all the omelets and the broken shells were planned too as being, well, unfortunate, but we must move forward for this progress. to fill all of the side effects that come out of this gaping hole that we have, this emptiness within us. They've decided to simply take away the problem, which is the part of the brain where you can think about it. That's typical of surgery, in a sense. You don't need this anymore. That's an appendage left over from when you were an ape a long time ago. We'll just whip it out. You won't need it. We're going to improve you, make you more improved, like this six or seven million dollar man. Now it's a few billion, I guess. Maybe it's cheaper now with nanotechnology. And uh, you won't have all these problems. You'll be an efficient machine. If you can't be a human anymore because we've destroyed human values, well, we'll make you a machine. And that's the psychology of the technocrats who help run the system and advise their superiors, the dominant minority. That's what all of this is about. As we gorge ourselves on entertainment, which just programs us for the next step and the next step through very subtle insertions and some not so subtle, but they don't fill the void in people. Some are aware of this. Some are totally aware of it when it's mentioned to them or verbalized to them because they find it difficult to put into words. But that's part of the problems of today. And it won't last too long, because they're telling us now what the next step is going to be, and the next step, and the next step, and the next step. It's rather boring, really, to an end where, well, you just simply won't be happy, because happiness and unhappiness will be obsolete terms. You won't have those abilities anymore. You'll just be a good robot. The dominant minority, as they keep telling us in their own publications, will not have all this tinkering because they have to keep all their survival capabilities intact and steer planet Earth through all the things to come. But you won't need all of that because the state will be making all your decisions for you. Now remember, that means all your decisions from birth to grave for you. While our robot, you see, doesn't need to make decisions, it can give pre-planned choices of logic when it comes to what it's programmed to do. 
but it won't have this this dilemma of making human decisions because humans need much, much more to fill our headspace with. We have imaginations, we have creative abilities, but we have longings as well and drives, drives which unfortunately are currently get in the way of our efficiency, especially when they've destroyed the, the natural outcome of those drives. That's why they've planned a whole society ahead. And all this warmongering right now is just for part of the process to bring the rest of the world under the same system. That's how they deem it at the top. It's efficiency. Everything must be efficient at all costs. And lives and slaughtering and mayhem and crying and funerals and weeping is just, well, it's broken eggs and omelets again. Tough. That's how it's rationalized. That's the world we live in. Not pleasant, not nice. And we must find a new way if we're going to survive with our intellect intact. But not the way the elite expect us to oppose them because they expect us to oppose them as primitives and hit them head on in traditional fashion. That's what they expect. We must find another way which they haven't planned. We've got to find it through what's inside of us knowing in full knowledge that the majority won't back you up on it because they're quite happy throwing all the garbage into that vast empty hole in their in their their heads and their hearts of buying and consuming and throwing away they're happy doing that as long as they, they can keep throwing the garbage in it kind of makes them feel less hungry but it won't satisfy them but they're happy at that, you see, it's all they know. For those who do know, much more, we must find a new way. And this new way can have nothing based on the old way. It can have nothing based on this this dog-eat-dog buy-sell consume, produce system which is completely unnatural and will end with our own destruction because once you have destroyed the mind and memory and individualism, there's nothing left when consciousness goes, there's nothing there you're reduced to a programmed insect and they think that's not the ideal worker to come, a programmed insect, programmed during gestation to carry out specific tasks efficiently. That's what they say is the goal. Wow. Who would want that? We have very, we, are, we have pretty well insects at the top because they certainly have very little in common with real people. They don't have the emotions of real people. They're psychopathic. Their families are psychopathic. Their training is psychopathic. And they have given us a psychopathic culture. when empathy goes for people who are hurting that you've never met but you're aware of you're already on the journey to psychopathy if it doesn't affect you yet by the laws of nature what goes around comes around and the monster that starts chomping someone over there will keep chomping in a circle round back to you wars are meant to change societies of all participants because government takes over and pushes agendas agendas you'd never have thought about never have dreamed about that's when they push these agendas and you're seeing it now with all the executive orders being passed in different countries and orders in council as they call it in the commonwealth countries where anyone who speaks out against their wars 
and their plans is uh, a verbal terrorist and a thought criminal, and their property can be seized by the government. Uh, That's our caring, wonderful freedom, the new freedom. And that's what they meant by new freedom. You see, when they said new freedom, and everybody went through their ears as always, uh, didn't stop to ask, what does he mean a new freedom? Well, he means it's a new definition of freedom. That's what it meant. Otherwise, it would be freedom, as always. But no, it was the new freedom. It's a new defined freedom. New definition. A definition where it's got a lot of clauses. You can do this, but, or except, in, etc. That's the new freedom. It's another way of saying you're under totalitarianism. You're under tyranny. These characters and their predecessors have had wars done through the ages, some lasting two, five, ten years, sometimes twenty years, sometimes thirty-year wars, sometimes one hundred-year wars, although the hundred-year war was really 115. How long ago was it that Gulf War I started? Think about it. You see, it never ended. How long have we been in this war now? Hmm? Think about it. And what was it Rumsfeld said and Cheney and others? This might take a hundred years. And they weren't talking about just the Middle East. They were talking about the whole New World Order agenda. Remember the speech, I see a new world order coming into view, etc., etc., by Bush Sr. A whole new ordered world, right down to you and yours and everyone you know. and a public which are totally disrupted, disorganized, desensitized, dehumanized, will go along with it as presented to them in all of the right ways of the marketing strategists with words like free and improved and lots of promises of utopias to come. Happiness, happiness, big smiling faces on all the ads as you're plugged into the matrix. Most don't even know they're going through the most crucial time of decision-making and choice-making that any society has ever had. Most will never know. But then things happen because of minorities who do know. The choice is is humanity with its potential and all of its contradictions worth saving. And that means joys and sorrows and all the other things that come with it. Because that's what life really is. Even in a natural setting. Where you can experience all of the full range of emotions. Which make or make one truly human. Or would you prefer to live in a Peter Pan existence where... All the nasty things are taken care of by other people so that you can play and be a child forever. That's what it's all about. And it's happening right now and most folk don't even know how crucial this time is. Wisdom in all ages is accumulated by going the whole gambit of human emotion, experiencing it, living it, 
and then coming to have compassion for it and for others and for all those around you. That's how you gain it. But at least people are coming forward slowly, here, there, and all around the planet, individuals are beginning to sense what I'm talking about now and coming forward. That's all for tonight. From Himish and myself, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you. Oh, Sergeant, I'm a drafty and I've just arrived in camp. I've come to wear the uniform and join the martial tramp. And I want to do my duty, but one thing I do implore. You must give me lessons, Sergeant, for I've never killed before. To do my job obediently is all that I desire. To learn my weapon thoroughly and how to aim and fire. To learn to kill the enemy and then to slaughter more. Oh, I'll need instruction, Sergeant, for I've never killed before. Now there are rumors in the camp about our enemy. They say that when you see him, he looks just like you and me. But you deny it, Sergeant, and you are a man of war. So you must give me lessons, for I've never killed before. Now there are several lessons that I haven't mastered yet. I haven't got the hang of how to use the bayonet. If he doesn't die at once, am I to stick him with it more? Oh, I hope you will be patient, for I've never killed before. And the hand grenade is something that I just don't understand. You've got to throw it quickly or you're apt to lose your hand. Does it blow a man to pieces with its wicked muffled roar? Oh, I've got so much to learn because I've never killed before. Well, I want to thank you, Sergeant, for the help you've been to me. You've taught me how to kill and how to hate the enemy. And I know that I'll be ready when they march me off to war And I know that it won't matter That I've never killed before I know that it won't matter That I've never killed before